0: Uh, well, thank you for being here though. It's wonderful to be here today. Uh, I, I love the way it looks behind me. I saw that while I was uh, sitting there listening and such a wonderful worship service. My, Before I get into the sermon, so, and I think Julie can speak to this too, when, when you preach, uh, the way that you feel that inspiration comes in so many different ways. A- and often I'll get, uh, like just feel this topic or something and I'm like, Oh, you know what? That fits in with this series that, that Tim and Julie want to do, or or I'll get uh, just some some even a title or something. It's like okay, well this I I really need to look into this and, and research it and pray and all this for this I I got the scripture probably a year ago and and you know I kept as people we want to fit these things in as soon as we get them. For me, I'm very much like man. You know what? The microwave's gone long enough. I want to get this out. I, I I can eat cold soup. It's fine. Um, but and I do. But um, I, I just held on to it, because I kept feeling like, you know, wait, wait, and something teaching me, probably. And, and then we came to the Rock series, and, and the series we'd just done was about uh, encounters with God, and then I know what the next series is, too, and I was like, wow, this, this really feels like it fits. And so the scripture is Matthew 17, 1 through 13, and it's one that we don't really talk a lot about in, in messages, really. It's the transfiguration, the transformation, and so I want to read from that. And that's uh, Matthew 17. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As, As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. And there's a lot we don't know about this. We don't know why specifically he took Peter, James, and John, They were considered kind of the leaders of the group, the ones who were ready to step up and start churches right after Jesus. Um, We don't know exactly which mountain they went to. There's a bunch. There's possibly Tabor, Harmon, Moran. I know that there's some uh, Israeli mountain scholars in here that could probably speak more to this. But what we do know is that Jesus, when he was transfigured, when he was transformed, It wasn't a new miracle. You see, he was always glorious. He's always been God. And and so just showing that, showing that, was kind of revealing himself. It was showing. And so you just imagine as the disciples, Peter, James, and John, as they see his clothes just whiten like bright, and and you see his face glow like the sun, And, and just you can imagine that moment. And that's almost enough. It's like, wow, this is really who we serve. This is where we are. This is such a connection. This is so amazing. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are there. And, and you're like, what? That's, that's insane because they've been gone a long time. Uh, and, and again, we don't know exactly why those two, um, I, I love Revelation, so I like to think that they're the witnesses one day. But also, Moses, he died and went to heaven. Elijah kind of just disappeared and went to heaven, so it's maybe a death and rapture thing. Uh, maybe it's Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets, and that's kind of what I'm going with here. But, but the point is, It's that moment. And sometimes we get so caught up in trying to figure out the moment. Sometimes we get so caught up in trying to figure out everything around it that we forget to just focus on that moment, on that glory of Jesus shining through, on the miracle, the amazingness of Moses and Elijah being there. And so just put yourself in the position of Peter, James, and John as they're just there. And what they must have felt, because when they'd been called, their life before that was very different. It was just normal. And probably they were mistreated, they they were different, they maybe had failed out of the rabbi course, whatever you want to go with, but they were young and and they were not who they became. And yet Jesus saw something in them and called them. And then what did they deal with? They they dealt with amazingness from Jesus, they saw miracles, they saw healing, they saw all this stuff, but then they were treated like garbage every step of the way by everybody else. Like criminals. And, And then all of a sudden they're with Jesus and they see him glow and they feel that that confirmation and then they see the prophet the law they see moses elijah they see this and they feel that and so just put yourself in that as i continue this is verse four uh peter exclaimed lord it's wonderful for us to be here if you want i'll make three shelters at uh, shelters as memorials uh for you one for you one for moses and one for elijah But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overwhelmed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So Peter, uh, I like to relate to him because he tried really hard. And sometimes that was the best thing you could say about him. He tried really hard. Now, we know where he ended up. We know how bold he was, how, how he started churches, how he did so, so many amazing things. But as you look through the Gospels especially, Peter kind of was all over the place. Now, he didn't lose faith, but he was kind of all over the place. In his boldness, in his compassion, in his hope, he would kind of jump ahead of where he should be a couple times. He would sink in the water when he, he got a little ahead of himself or he focused on the wrong things. And here he kinda does it again. He's so excited. He's in that moment. He feels it. And then he's like, Oh, oh, I gotta do something. I have to do something. Have you ever felt like that? Like you have to do something, even if people are like, No, you don't have to. Uh, maybe like a potluck dinner or something and people are like, hey, you know, we're good. We don't we need don't need this. We've got seventeen turkeys. We're good. And you're like, I gotta bring something. I gotta bring a chicken or I gotta bring a ham or a hamburger or something. I don't have a lot of public dinners. So uh but anyway he, he tries and so he's like, hey I'm gonna make shelters for the three of you, which is nice on the surface. But then God speaks up because the three of them are not equal. You see, sometimes we focus on a bunch of different things, uh especially when we're called, especially when we're in the midst of ministry, and we kind of equalize everything with Jesus. We kind of equalize the law, and we equalize the prophets, and we equalize uh, just what we think and what we want with Jesus. And Peter was kind of doing that. He's like, I'll build the same shelter for each of you. And God's like, Jesus is above. He's, He's who we worship. He's who calls us. He's who's there. That's who we serve. He's who's in our heart. Jesus is who dies for our sins. And so Peter and the disciples, they fall down. And it's not that they're wrong, it's just that, you know, it's, it's weird. Again, put yourself in that situation. But when all of this is finished and they look up, who's there? It, it's Jesus, because that relationship with Jesus is above all of the rest. It, it's above our own feelings, it's above our own thoughts, it's above the law and the prophets, it's above everything, because that relationship with Jesus, the closer we come to him, the closer we build our relationship, the more He reveals to us and the more He helps us to know how to, to follow the law, how to follow the Bible, how to help people, how to love people, all of these things, but it begins with that relationship with Jesus. And so where they felt that moment of just connection and everything, and then all of a sudden they felt overwhelmed and kind of scared, and then they focus again and it's just Jesus there. And again, this is kind of like us and, and that overwhelming feeling and, and it's hard to know exactly exactly why Jesus wanted it to be secret but I mean think about this if you're in the midst of building Christianity you're in the midst of building new churches you're in the midst of just beginning this revolution and then all of a sudden like Moses and Elijah that had start so many arguments I mean think about the things that we argue about right now like there are people and I can see one of them who's I, I love still there are people who actually will argue that LeBron is anywhere close to Jordan and that's insane like, it's just, it makes no sense whatsoever, and, and so just imagine these crazy things that people argue about, and then you have, like, Moses and Elijah, and you have Jesus there, and, and all of these things, like, imagine the arguments that would happen that would take away from the focus of what they're supposed to be starting, and so maybe that's part of it, and so, you know, they go on, and, and the disciples, you can just be there and think, and I can imagine as myself, you're there thinking, and Peter especially is like, man, What happened? Did I do something wrong? Should I talk? Is he mad at me? I think this all of the time with every single person ever. I'm like, are they mad at me? Uh, Did I do something wrong? And this is just how I am. And so I I think that's kind of what they're thinking. Like, should I say something? Should I do more? Wait, no, I messed up. And all of these things. So we go to verse 10. Then the disciples asked him, why do teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready, but I tell you, Elijah has already come, but he wasn't recognized, and they chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. So, as they're thinking, they do what we're supposed to do. They ask questions. And who do they go to? They go to Jesus, who, is, who we're supposed to go to. And they just kind of ask what is on their heart. Because, you know, seeing Elijah, seeing Moses, it kind of clicks, and they're like, why, why do people say this? What does this mean? And so they ask, and Jesus answers. And, and so they start thinking, well, John the Baptist, oh, I, I kind of get it. And, you know, people thought all kinds of things. They thought that Elijah was actually, some people thought Elijah was actually reincarnated as John the Baptist, and that's not what Jesus is saying. He's just saying, you know, metaphorically, John the Baptist is serving as the Elijah here. And if you look at their lives, you look through the scripture, and I'm not going to do this, but if you look through John the Baptist and Elijah, they're very similar. They, they lived in corrupt times, they kind of get into it with kings. They had stuff to do in the wilderness. I mean, John ate some weird stuff, but still, they were in the wilderness and all of these different things. But above all of that, what you'll see is they served God. Like, they served God completely. And so that's kind of what the, the harbinger is. I have recently learned how to say that word. Uh, when I was a kid, it's from Marvel Comics. Well, I obviously didn't come from that, but I'm going to go into the weeds a little bit here. But Silver Surfer was the harbinger of Galactus. And so as a little kid, and I would read that, and most of you guys are like, what's he talking about? Did he just speak in tongues? Like, what's happening? But uh, I read it as Harbinger, because I'm like four or whatever. And so I always said that, and then I said it to somebody, and they're like, what, do you mean Harbinger? And I was like, oh yeah. And so anyway, side note. Um, But the point of the questioning, the point of everything after this was their focus was back on Jesus. The disciples, they were looking at him. They were looking to him for answers. And you can take this scripture so many different ways. Because if you researched and you read the commentaries, and I, I did that, and you looked at what other people said, you could go so far with just why Moses, why Elijah, why this mountain, why this moment, all of these things. But what I want to go with is, is just their focus. Because I believe that, that we share a lot with the disciples. We are disciples. We're here because we're disciples, because we've been called by Jesus. And so even if you're not a pastor, even if you're not a singer, even if you don't work in sound, even if you don't work in the church, uh, we're all called to this life. We're called to be examples. We're called to love others. We're called to love God. We're called to do something, to witness. And so we all share that with the disciples. And, And the call, it can feel really special at times. Sometimes you'll have a moment and it just clicks, and you're talking to someone, or you're listening, or you're sharing, or you're singing. I don't do that, but or you're doing something, and it just clicks, and you're like, oh, this is it. This is why I'm here. This is why I was called. But sometimes it's a little different, or it feels a little weird, or you feel like you don't fit in, or, or you feel just, just scared. And so it's really a personal thing. And Peter, like I said, was specifically all over the place. Sometimes he's like, hey, you're the Messiah, I'm the first one to see this. And sometimes he's like, no, Jesus, the the prophecies are wrong, you're not going to die. And again, his heart was in the right place, and he was all over the place. And sometimes we are, and our callings, our gifts, they're all different. I could go here, and this would make a lot of you mad, and go person to person and ask, what are your gifts? You know, what do you feel gifted Uh, In from 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 God like what what do you see as your witness? How do you do this? And you know, I remember back when I was in school and we'd have like the everybody read a story. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, it's called different things, but basically you're reading Hamlet. And so each person in class is like reading and you have to read a section and you know that you're coming up. And for me, I would look and I'd count how many people are ahead of me and I would count where the sections were and I'd figure it out. And I just read over and over and over again. Sometimes, sometimes the teacher would be a jerk and like switch it and like jump ahead or jump behind and move all over. And then you're like, oh. And that's kind of how it is with our calling. Like we get ahead of ourselves and and we feel it, but sometimes we're scared of it, I guess is what I'd say. I've spoken about my specific calling before. Uh, I was in college and I was going towards a, a, a different life i was studying english which is very lucrative obviously for the government with my loans but it's it's something it's something that that i loved and i felt right with and then i'm senior year i feel him calling me into the ministry now at the time like all i see of ministry is public speaking and that's i know it's much more than that now obviously but that's what i saw and i'm like i can't do that and so i was scared and i didn't know what to do but i still you know went back to church and and and, tried and volunteered and did all of that, and so that's my calling. But before that, I want to go before that. As a kid, a little kid, I felt home in two places. And obviously you could say home, but I'm not saying that. Uh, at church, like I just felt right at Caravan, and I felt right during a service. and I, felt, I just felt home there. I felt safe. The other place was behind the couch reading comic books. And, and I was a quiet kid, I read a lot, I created a lot. My great-grandpa would bring home these blank newspapers. Like just They looked like newspapers, but they were completely blank. And I would draw comics throughout all of them. Thankfully, those were all lost to time. But I, I just loved reading them, so my whole life was about those two things. My whole life was about uh, you know, being in church and, and about comic books. And you're like, well, that's weird, but that's okay. Uh, so with comics... My dream for that part was to see this on screen. Uh, There had been a lot of false starts. There are several good movies before 2008, but i got to tell you, Tobey Maguire is an awful Spider-Man, I'm sorry. Uh, Tom Holland is Spider-Man, the end. But anyway, so there were a lot of false starts. And then the MCU started, and I think Julie may be the only person with me on this, but a lot of you know this, the MCU started with Iron Man. I'm not going to go too far with this, except I kind of am. But I loved it. I loved that feeling. I loved that it was something that I'd seen. I loved how it looked. I loved how it felt. And then everything's leading up to a movie called Avengers Endgame. I've got a scene from this. Not a scene, but a picture, because of copyright. But this is near the end, spoiler alert. All of the heroes come back. All of them, pretty much. Every Marvel hero who's been in any movie or TV show, for the most part, shows up in this scene go to the next one and they're all going to battle and you can see spider-man but they're all going to battle now the cool thing is they all have different powers and some of them are super powerful some of them aren't but they're all together they're all on equal footing they're all next to each other they're all on the same level regardless of power and in that moment I'm not ashamed to say although I am a little bit I tear up even now when I see it not right now but in the movie every single time because I'm like, this is what I was waiting for. This is what I wanted to see. A- a- and it was so cool. And then there's one more. That set, that phrase, Avengers Assemble, means nothing to most people, but if you love comic books, that is what Captain America would always say every time the Avengers would go into battle. A- and throughout the MCU, and I promise I'm almost done with comics, throughout the MCU, uh, they would have moments, like at the end of Avengers 2 or something, where he would say, Avengers, and then it would cut. Because they were kind of leading up to this moment, because they know that's what nerds are waiting for. And I'm a nerd. But so, on in this movie, right before the battle, everything, I, I, I'm, I'm just feeling everything, because Spider-Man's my absolute favorite character. This is going to make me sound weird, but please don't judge me. Thanos is actually my second favorite character, and that's from the comics. But anyway... So I felt all of this, and then he says, adventure's a symbol, and I just lose it. That moment is the culmination of everything in my life in comic books. It's everything I'd waited for. I felt so amazing. I felt so just together with everything, so connected. And then, you know, the movie ends, and other movies come, and, and, and you know, things happen, COVID happened, all this stuff happened, and you kind of lose that moment a little bit, but I, would still, I still think about it. I am not going to tell you how many times I've watched in game from that moment on. More than a thousand. But anyway, it's it's that moment. And in ministry, in ministry we have that moment. Regardless of what it is. In in our life as Christians, we have that moment. And it's different for every person. And sometimes I think we don't even realize it because again we focus on all this other stuff. But that moment where you feel a calmness, you feel a peace, you feel a connection. You feel the culmination. You feel things fit. Now, in my life, uh, I I, am more, you know, public ministry. I constantly find myself feeling less than. Now, I always did, but but especially in ministry. I feel like I'm surrounded by Elijah's and Moses's all the time. Like, the the people that I work with, not just here, but other places, the the people that I'm around, I feel like I'm surrounded by that. And I'm like, you don't fit in. You're kind of like an ant man or something although he's, his movies are good. but And being compared to Paul Rudd, I'm good with that. But, even if it's just me comparing myself, apparently. But anyway, I'm diverging. But I feel like I'm surrounded sometimes. A- and it's, a, it's good on the one hand, because I feel like I'm, I, I can learn, and I'm like, oh man, I hope that I can have that impact. I hope I can do that. But I, I feel that. And even though I'm called, and, and I know, and if I were talking to somebody else, I'd be like, no, you're calling Matters, like you, you matter, you have a, a purpose, you have a point. Don't, don't compare, I, I say those things and I believe those things. But we all know when it's us, it's different. One of the things I tell the teens a lot, uh, there's an old saying, if you're walking down the street and you stub your toe, that's tragedy, because that hurts, you understand that. But if then, if the person next to you, and just for argument's sake, let's say that it's Ethan, and Ethan's next to me and twice as tall as me, uh, and he falls in a manhole, that's funny, right? That's comedy. That's what we get from comedy. Now, for Ethan, that's tragedy. And for him, the toe is comedy. You see what I'm saying? Like, we see things differently when it's us. And so even though I know and I understand this, I still feel like I'm surrounded. But when I think back, what, what is my moment? And for this message, obviously, I was trying to think, what is my moment? And there's a lot of different things I could point to. There's a lot of different times that God has just blessed me and, and given me this chance to connect or given me this chance to help someone or giving me this, this chance to just do whatever, but I think what it is is in 2012, high school graduation, not mine because I'm way older, uh, in Seymour. It was my first church. I'd only been in the ministry a couple years. And for whatever reason, so let me kick back a second before that, and nothing's after me so I can just keep talking, but kick back a second before that, Uh, the reason that I had changed majors to English in college was because as a secondary teacher, I was terrified of public speaking, so I was like, I'm not going to do that. I can't speak to people every single day. That's terrifying. And you know, meanwhile, God's like, guess what? But anyway, so I I was scared of that. And the first time I spoke in front of the teens in Seymour, I I was scared, and I memorized it, and, and it was just, it was scary. And so we cut to 2012, and for whatever reason, and I still don't know, just like I don't know a lot of things, I asked the pastor, hey, in June for for the graduation service, can I preach? And if you know me, that's not something that I ask. Like, can I put myself up there in front of people where they can whisper about me and say things and and throw things, possibly? Can I put myself in a position where I have to, to share my heart? Can I do that? It's scary for me. And yet... I did and I asked, and there were definitely times between when I asked and when I preached, and I was like, why am I doing this? Can I get out of this? Is there some way that, that, that this can change? But I did it. I kept going. And then the sermon happened. And it was my first big church sermon, you know, where you're in front of people. Not that teens aren't people, you know what I'm saying. Teens are people too. But in front of a lot of people, a lot of Older people, a lot of Elijahs and a lot of Moseses and a lot of people who who have heard preachers before. And I was standing there and I only saw Jesus. I stopped looking at Moses and I stopped looking at Elijah and I just saw Jesus. And I spoke from my heart and I did everything I could and I felt pretty good about it. And that's the moment where I was like, oh, I'm part of something. I'm part of something, I'm connected. That is the Avengers Assemble moment. That is the moment where it came together. Now since then, and that was early on since then, there have definitely been times where I felt overwhelmed. Again, where I felt surrounded, where I felt like a message didn't go well, where I felt like something I did was stupid, where I felt like I've messed up. I feel that. I would assume that I'm not the only one in here who has felt that way but I keep thinking back to that moment. I keep thinking back to that moment, and, and like, okay, well, something happened. I'm here for some reason. And I also think, this is from 1 Peter 4.10-11, through 11. Uh, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Uh, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will be bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever Amen. This is Peter. This is Peter who in that moment was like, oh, you guys are all the same. And then God's like, no. And then he stood up and he asked questions. This is Peter who messed up a lot, who sank. This is Peter who helped and healed and loved and started churches. This is Peter who was all over the place. But this is Peter who would go back to that moment. And I don't know for sure what his moment was. But go back to that moment where he saw Jesus. Only Jesus. And he would take strength from that. Because he knew, hey, I have a different gift than John. I have a different gift than James. But I'm, I have a gift. Everyone here has a gift. Everyone here has a calling. Everyone here has a purpose. The, the church, the capital C church, does not work without us. Well, God is more important than all of us, obviously, but I'm saying, like, the corporate church. If we only have Julie, or we only have Tim, or we only have me, or we only have Sean, or we only have somebody in sound, like, the church doesn't work quite the same. Like, if Julie is the only preacher left, and she's here, she's talking to an empty room, and there's no electricity and no sound. Now, personally, I do that at home all the time, but it doesn't work. But... Or if if we only have Sean, again, just here. Or if it's only you. But all of us together, we use our gifts separately. We use them together. We use them to help people. We use them to invite people. We use them to love people. We use them to, to just be there and to be different and to be an example. To be witnesses. To be a part of something. And that's what Peter's saying. is like, hey, it took me a while to get this, but man, we're a part of something. We're a part of something special. And there's one more scripture. This is Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. This is not an if-then statement. This is not God saying, hey, you know what? If you do everything right, I'll help you out. This is not God saying, hey, you know what? Every once in a while, I'm going to step in and I'm going to give you strength. This is Him saying, I'm with you. Always with you. Regardless of what you're called to do, regardless of how you're doing, I'm with you. And when it says, don't fear, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed, it it, it doesn't mean that you're never going to feel those things, because you are. It means don't give in to those things because He's with you, because He's bigger than them, because the church really doesn't work without Him, because He is the church. He is why we're here, and and, and He's with each of us. This is something that helps me remember my moment. This is something that helps me remember what I'm doing because I think, man, you know what? Even though I feel overwhelmed, even though I feel scared, even though I feel like I'm not enough, like I don't fit in, God's with me. God sees me. God had a purpose for me. God is putting me somewhere. And that's for all of us. It's such an amazing guarantee. It's not an if then. It's not a maybe. It's, it's a guarantee. It's God saying, I will strengthen you and help you. Not maybe I will. Not when I feel like it. Not if I like the way you look. It's I will Strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. I will give you strength. I will give you courage. All you have to do is ask. I can't know what everyone here is specifically called to. And I can't know what your moment is. But I can know that God is with you. And I can know that you do have a purpose. I can know that we are his disciples, that we are his examples, that we are his hands and feet, that we are his love in the world. I can know that you are enough and that he sees that in you even when you don't and that he will take whatever your gift is and multiply it however many times over because that's who he is. Sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we focus on the wrong things and we focus on the results and we focus on this and that or however the people are doing it, but when you stop and you focus on Jesus and you remember why you were called and you remember why you're here, and you remember that love and you remember that guarantee, you're going to feel that connection. You're not going to be perfect. You're not always going to feel great, but you're going to feel that connection. Because together, we're something. Because God is in us. God is with us. God helps us. Together, we are His church. Not just in this building, but in this world. It's such an amazing thing. And I'm so tempted right now to say Avengers Assemble, but I cannot justify it. So, what I'm saying is, think about this after this service. Think about what was my moment? And then take the strength from that, the happiness from that, the hope from that, and carry that as you go out and help other people find theirs. And that's all I got. Uh, there is nothing between me and the close, so I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. <laughs> Bow your heads, dear Lord. I thank you so much for bringing us together here today. I thank you so much for giving us this chance on July 4th to to share communion with each other, to share the songs, to share a message, to just share our freedom here. I thank you so much for giving us this this place, this land this this time where we can just join together we can meet together we can share together we can worship you together i ask that you help us to remember our calling and and more than that to remember that connection we feel to you to remember that moment to remember how to help others how to love others how to step up how to stand up how to stand out help us as a church to just constantly focus on you above all all else and help us individually to do the same. Help us to remember why we are here and who we are here for. Help everyone who has prayer requests to, to feel that, Lord. I know that there are, there are some that I've been given that, that are just so weighty for people. And I ask that you please help them to feel that peace, to feel that comfort, to feel that, that love, that glory that you bring. Help us to remember that you're always with us. And help us to show that everywhere we go and everything we do. In your name we pray. Amen.